With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to 10 Minute Takes. All right, everybody, welcome to 10 Minute Takes. This is our second official episode, so it's pretty exciting to be back. Uh, we got a ton of great topics scheduled for you today. Uh, my name is Dustin Bork. As always, I got my ride or die, Chris McSwiggin, with me. And we're yep. going to hit you up with six topics, each topic, 10 minutes or less, or your money back. And we're going to get it started uh, with a topic that. I actually came up with because I felt a little sick when I saw everybody bragging about J.J. Watt's little brother, knowing that the Joneses were dumb enough to pass on him for a guy with Taco in his name uh, when we are so desperately hurting (laughs) on the defensive side of the ball. So I I, I guess the thing that I want to know, Chris, is family pedigree in sports. Is it mm-hmm. a situation where you you need to kind of take into account, well, this guy was great, this guy was a bust, brother is probably going to be the same, or I don't want to be sexist, maybe this happens in the WNBA too, I'm not sure. Maybe Olympic athletes, females, who knows? Yeah, the Venus and Serena Williams thing, you could compare it. But is it something that when you're, let's say for team sports, uh, you know, taking the Williams sisters out of it. so let's say team sports, NFL, NBA, you got, you got team, you got families like the Curry's, you got families in football, like the Watts, the Mannings, the Gronks, the cars. Now I personally think Eli is a joke compared to Peyton. There are a lot of annoying ass giants fans out there that seem to think Eli is legit in some way or another. I do. You know, he did deliver a few rings, but I think there is, a lot of other guys on that team that might have helped out in those regards. But uh, the cars, I mean, I heard reports that people didn't even give Derek a shot because his brother was such a huge bust. So I guess what I want to know is, do you think these professional organizations, they're, you know, the elder sibling, sibling into their – you know, into their scouting process. Like, are we not even going to give this dude a look because his brother was so good? Or are we going to give this dude extra looks because his brother was so good? Go go ahead. Um, because, I mean, I, I look at the Peyton Eli thing. I mean, both of them, uh, it, it, as much as neither of us are, are – 
you know, a, a you know, jumping jumping on a bandwagon anytime soon for Peyton Manning. Uh, I mean, excuse me, for Eli Manning. Um, I, I don't I don't think it, you're far off base. I, I think obviously yes, the car thing was a big example because David Carr is is arguably the worst starting quarterback in the last fifteen years. But I, I just uh, don't discount my boy Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> Uh well okay yeah Jamarcus was bad too but the, the the difference with Jamarcus is like he was somewhat comparable you know comparable I and David Carr he spent more time on his back than he did on his feet so what about I, I, just, I mean well if we 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 got to make next week a topic about Bucks because now everything's coming back to me I would I would hit you with Liner Matt Liner was an unbelievable Buck. You know what I mean? So it's like there's there's, yeah, there's a lot the more out there. scale of, de- of car though. But anyway, regardless, I don't think I think the family. Yeah, I don't think car was. Uh, well, well, I think it was. Well then maybe well then maybe for next week then we'll see. But but I just I think that the family pedigree thing it is a big it is a big discussion because you don't see siblings in the league or family members in the league that often. Uh, I mean it's not something that that comes across every day. But of course you're going to be judged by who you know your family is, whether it's your father, whether it's your cousin, your 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 uh, brother, directly sister, uh, women got to be included. You know wh- whoever it is. Um, look at it this way, uh, Justin. I, I, I'm not sure what your sibling situation is, but I have a brother, for instance, right? And you know, younger than me. If you know, I go to a job. Look at it this way. If I go to a job. And I just am completely terrible. I don't, I don't show up on time. I talk back to the boss. You know, I get caught smoking weed in the bathrooms. I, I, I destroy stuff. I, you know, the whole thing it was just a nightmare experience, right? And then my brother goes and applies for the, for the same job. Automatically, he could be the best worker on the planet and, and never have an issue and could be employee of the month material every, every week. But because – they know my last name, and because they heard me, they're like, oh, geez, that, another one of him. And automatically the judgment is going to come. So I think that applies everywhere but sports. I, I, I think in sports, uh, especially football, which is the topic that you had, uh, had uh, related it to, it happens because it, it's just – it's one of those things where football is so demanding that if you aren't – you know, if your brother sucks – they just assume your family bloodline sucks. So yeah, I definitely think I definitely think it's a it's, it's a. Uh, does it work the other way thing. with greatness though? Like does of course yeah you, like of course. My, because, my, because they, my my original point was Watt. JJ Watt is oh, transcending yeah, okay. the defensive side of the ball right now. His brother yeah. is up for the draft. He's I mean he meets the definition of a hard nosed Pittsburgh Steeler. So it's perfect that oh, they course. picked him. But the fact that the Cowboys had a shot at a guy like that, and they're like, eh, nah, we're going to go with this other dude that is completely, like, unproven. Just as many accolades. Like, they're the same player, mm-hmm. only one of them's got a family pedigree behind them of greatness. And the mm-hmm. other one is just is just Taco. So it's like, why well, well, the no, hell but, but did Taco's you tap on that? Though. Taco's different though. Wait, did did Teach get the first round? I don't remember. Was he their first round pick? Okay, okay. 
Uh, because I was going to say, Taco went first. So if that went later rounds, you can't say they took Taco instead because they had to. Okay, that's fine. So, yeah, their first round pick. No, Taco but went I, I in don't the know. first round, and then T.J. Watt went literally like two or three picks after him to the Steelers. Yep, yep, so yep, yep. So it was like okay, it was, I remember that. It was a deliberate we passed on him. I remember that. Okay. No, it, it's, hey, you know what? That's why they make the big bucks and we sit here doing shows. I, I, I don't know. But it's, it's one of those things where, yes, the greatness – is also a factor in that because then people set sometimes, not in Watt's case, but sometimes set unrealistic expectations for you that you're supposed to live up to. Now, now Derek Carr has surpassed, uh, you know, expectations, of course, because he was already to suck. Uh, dude, he could have he could have completed he could have thrown a touchdown. And uh, one touchdown and, and broken his brother's expe- uh, expectations, okay? So, yes, he, he, he's, he's exceeded his brother's expectations. But you look at, like, a guy like, like TJ, and you said everyone's, you know, oh, he's, he's blowing the doors off in Pittsburgh. He has two sacks in the preseason. Let's not get too ahead of ourselves. J.J. Watt's the best defensive end in the league and has been that way for five or six years now. Let's just see what happens because you never know. The preseason, he's playing against backup offensive linemen. We don't know. Is the kid going to be a good starter? Yes. Is he going to be a transcending starter like his brother? We don't know that yet. But I guess your point was, is there that family pedigree and that expectation to perform? And I would have to say, yes, it's there. It's got to be there. Well, I'm going to be forever comparing those two because it's kind of like, in my opinion, in my little head, right, the world inside my head. That is forever going to be um, Brady and Manning for me of this year's draft. Oh, well, yeah. Because, yeah. because he's the guy we took in Taco, and I don't like him. And he needs to be our, our godsend to the defensive line because we got nobody. So the pressure is on him. And the guy that I wanted, who I think is going to destroy him statistically this year, and years to come, went to Pittsburgh, and we passed on him. So I'm forever going to go back and forth. But, all right, so we got the first topic out of the way. Um, Yes, we did. Next up, we got NFL rankings. So I was watching ESPN the other day, and the NFL NFL rankings were up. Their top five, I don't want to make it a Dallas Cowboys show because they were number six, but their top five, it was the pass at Mm -hmm. one, the Falcons at two, Seattle at three, Pittsburgh at four, and Green Bay Packers at five. So I guess what I want to do, along with reminding people that they can call in, our phone number here is 319-527-6759. Again, we're a live show. Feel free to call in and talk to us. Chime in on our takes. Uh, 319-527-6759. But what I want to do with these NFL rankings, Chris, is I want you to agree, disagree with them, and then throw me out your top five. So you mm. go ahead. You lead off. Number one was oh, New England. Geez. Number two was Atlanta. Number three was Seattle. Number four was Pittsburgh. Number five was Green Bay. Oh, well, there's, there's that pressure. Um, Look, I, I mean – we all hate the Patriots. Well, I shouldn't say we all. We do, and a lot of people that I know in my immediate circle do. But 
it's one of those situations where until you knock them off, you have yep. to work in there. You know, uh, until somebody conquers the New England Patriots, you have to put them at number one. They could be a team. Chris, I'm a firm believer of the defending champs unless, like, yeah. they, like, like for example, like, Brady retired. That's when mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, they can't be number one. But, like, if you got majority of your personnel coming back and you just won mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, you need to be number one. Like, the defending champion always needs to start the power rankings at number one sure. unless the team's yeah. been gutted. You know what I mean? So, pending True. any team gutting, they need to be it's number be one. So, I, yeah. you, you but make but a great the, the point, and I completely agree. It, well, it's also annoying with New England, uh, the fact that if you look at them on paper – other than Tom Brady, <laughs> if you if you were a run of the mill football fan and you took no not this year man. Hours, well, they picked okay, up but, Cook, but they got saying, Gronk. No, in the past I'm saying like, like the past couple oh, of yeah, years yeah, yeah. you're a run of the of you're a run of the mill football fan who studies the league for 48 hours and are told yeah. who the stars quote unquote the stars of the league are. You look at the New England Patriots and you're like oh this is a middle of the road team. <laughs> but they always seem to win. I, I don't get it. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Um, Atlanta, yeah, um, you know, a- Atlanta's nasty. I, I I really I like them here at two. I could see them at three. I could see them at three. But again, Atlanta didn't lose. Who are you fight. bumping up? Who are you bumping up to two? Uh, well, I would bump up Oakland, and and the reason I would and they're not even on out of list. nowhere. But you look at yeah, yeah not even because five. because Oakland's got an offensive line that's comparable with Dallas. Okay, some people are even saying it's as good as Dallas's is. Okay, they've got Derek Carr. Chris, do you know that we are officially no longer the best O line in football according to Pro Football Focus? Yeah, they're saying Tennessee and Oakland, right? Because are the, are the, are the two. No, no, it's the Eagles. Who they say was because officially what? Yeah, so according to Pro Football Focus, because we lost Doug Free and Leary, we no longer have the best O-line efficiency-wise in Doug, football. Yeah, we're we're going to have to prove it again. Doug a machine. I know, but Are according to – And Ronald and Leary's I would 35 years pro, old. I would, hey, I, I, would, I would say that they're pretty accredited. So these are, these are people that know what they're talking about. And apparently the guy at left tackle for the Eagles – uh, when he plays, they win, and when he doesn't play, they lose. Like it's literally a statistic. Every game he's missed, they have lost, and every game he has played, they have won. So, I don't know. I, I this is hey, this is not me. I don't I don't agree. But then again, I wow. never thought we had the best O line in football because I always thought if you had the best O line in football, you wouldn't let your franchise quarterback get crushed every year. Cough, cough, exactly. Romo. Exactly. So I, I mean, I mean, okay, I, I'll be, I'll be. Uh, I'll step off my Cowboys soapbox for a minute because I love arguing with the Giants fans around here and saying, oh, we're the best offensive line of football, bro. Where's your line? No, I, I, I understand that. I would say it's a top three line at least. I would say top five at minimum. But anyway, Oakland, Oakland has a comparable offensive line. They're growing on defense. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack is an absolute animal. They were one of the better defensive teams in the league last year. Uh, rising star in Derek Carr. Uh, great receiving core in Crabtree and Cooper. Okay, Marshawn Lynch now, uh, mind you. So I think Oakland, if there's going to be a team that, you know, dethrones the Patriots this year in the playoffs, 
I would say it would be them. Uh, I think that they've got the best shot. The only reason they didn't, they didn't do it last year, in my opinion, was injuries. Derek Carr got hurt. They lost some key pieces on the line late in the season, blah, blah, blah. So I would put Oakland hovering in that area. Um, but simply because Atlanta hasn't lost anybody and only gained people, especially that to Terrace McKinley, who was supposed to be ridiculous, I'll leave them at two and, and, and give the champs and the runner-ups their respect. Put Oakland at three. I'm bumping Seattle out of there because Seattle's garbage, and everybody rides their coattails every year, and, it's a, and it annoys me. So you got, uh, any, I, I was, you, got New England, you got New England one, Atlanta two, Oakland three. Yes, yeah. Bump Seattle completely okay. out of the top five. Everyone rides their jock, and it's annoying to me. Um, Pittsburgh, I, I don't know enough about them. I, yes, Pittsburgh's a good team, and they've got Bell coming back. They've got, uh, you know, uh, it's it's Pittsburgh, I don't believe with them at four. I have Pittsburgh at five. At four, uh, you know, I, I'm going to throw one in and, uh, you know, Everything in me wants to say, oh, Prince of Dallas Cowboys, they went 13-3 and last year. Um, for some reason, I just I can't do that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about it, and, you know, I'm just quickly trying to run through teams in my head here. And, I, you know, I got to pick over Pittsburgh. I got to pick Kansas City. Now, do I think Kansas City is a top-five team? No. But I think they're over – on this list, they're over Pittsburgh because <laughs> that is, honestly – That is that, a good pick. Yeah, because that defense – I think they're probably the best overall roster in the league in terms of put together with balance. Well, I don't know about I, that. I don't, like, I don't know well, about well, that. I don't, I don't like Alex Smith. I don't like Alex Smith, but they've got a good line. Well, Alex Smith got might a great be a job apparently. Oh, well, yeah, this Mahomes is tearing it up. But they've got, they've got a good yeah. line. A great D, good receiving core. Okay, I, I think I think the Chiefs are better than Pittsburgh. I think that the Chiefs just had the misfortune of running into uh, into uh, them at a, at a bad time. But I, I just I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, and then Green Bay, Green Bay. I'm not putting on the list because Green Bay doesn't have anybody but Aaron Rodgers, and I refuse to let one player uh, dictate this chart. So. All right, yeah. well, but, all right, here we go. Ready? You had New England yeah. one, Atlanta two, Oakland three, Kansas City four, Pittsburgh five. I Correct. agree with you with New England at one. I think, yeah. like I said, uh, to, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And I think every defending champion should always start the season at number one until they get moved back. You've earned the title, and then you earn the bragging rights the following year. That's just how it should be. Yeah. Number two, I have Green Bay. And the reason why I have Green Bay is because Ooh. we have lost to Aaron Rodgers the last two years. One year, he couldn't even walk on his second leg. The second year, uh, it was uh, the biggest bullshit throw and catch I've ever seen to end a game. And uh, it just it keeps, wasn't it the just end, keeps it was happening. It was a hell of a play. It was just it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. And I'm starting to think that maybe there's more to it than BS luck. Because these are not Eli Manning plays. This is a single guy that is literally outplaying an entire team. And that's Aaron Rodgers. So if I was to deem anybody the single greatest football like quarterback in the league right now, I'm behind Aaron Rodgers until I see him choke at key moments. Because he hasn't you can yet say all time so, too. 
Nah, I, mean, I don't he's, know about he's all up time. There. I, I'm not. I'm a. I'm a big believer of being able to compare all time. You have to judge arm strength, uh, awareness, you know, pocket presence, scrambling ability, and I don't think anybody beats Brett Favre's arm. I don't think anybody beats Peyton Manning's mental. So I, I, the, the all-time thing for me is a way bigger debate, and it's a completely different debate than what other people want to do. I mean, fucking, you got Madden putting Goat Edition with Brady on the cover. I couldn't. I, I, I'm literally when I, I only bought the digital copy of that game. But if I had bought the physical copy, I would have just ripped the cover out because I completely disagree with them. So well, well I walked into GameStop to I don't a game the other day. Side note, and and I saw it said Goat Edition and. I asked the guy. I asked the guy at GameStop. You know, is, is this a misprint? Like, like I, I mean, are these? Did you guys get like the, you know, the extras? Like, what is this? You know? And and he was like, Oh man, Tom Brady's the best ever. I'm like, Listen, I was like, Listen, you work at GameStop. You probably play World of Warcraft all day. Like, you probably don't know anything about sports. But anyway, continue. <laughs> all right. So Green Bay number two, number three, I think is the Pittsburgh Steelers because until Ben Roethlisberger hangs them up, he always finds a way. That dude can break something and be back in two weeks when another guy needs six weeks. This mm. burger is a beast. Antonio Brown is he's playing out of his mind when he's healthy. Le'Veon Bell, same thing. Now they got the guy I wanted, T.J. Watt, on the defensive side. They're slowly reestablishing that Pittsburgh hard-nosed defense. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are number three. Number four, Oakland Raiders. I think if Derek Carr stays mm. healthy – they probably are with the Patriots in the AFC Championship last year, and I, that's my prediction this year. I think it's going to be Oakland Pats in the AFC Championship. I don't know if they're quite ready. Maybe Beast Mode brings them a little bit of toughness and veteran leadership that they needed last year. Um, and then number five, I get the Dallas Cowboys because I do believe that the Cowboys are one of the best overall teams in football, complete teams, special teams, defensive side, offensive side of the ball. I think even though our defensive side of the ball is much weaker, we play out way above our potential. Our, we are extremely well coached. Too. But yeah. yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter because this year is going to be the year for Dak to prove he's ready to be the face of the biggest franchise in sports history, and he's got to get it done. And I think anything less than thirteen and three will be an extreme disappointment because this is where you prove that you are who you say you are. You are going to take control of this team, whether Zeke's around or not, and we'll get to that. That's our next topic. But, Scott, you have an opportunity to show us that you are here and you did send Tony Romo home for a reason. Lead this team to victories with or without Zeke and get us 13 wins, get us a one or a two seed, and go win some freaking playoff games, man. So I got New England, well, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Oakland, and Dallas. That's my top five. Okay. Uh, can I just mention something real quick on Dallas before we move on? Um, and, and and that is, yes, I want to put Dallas on this list. Um, but I, I have I have uh, I have learned something about the Dallas Cowboys uh, over my pushing twenty year fandom, and and what that is is. It, it's like when you walk into a movie and you're expecting it to be great. You're expecting it to be a low uh, expectation. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're expecting it to be an Oscar-winning movie, and you walk and out of the theater disappointed. Yeah. 
yeah, and you're like, I want my $12 back for my ticket. Okay, uh, the popcorn money they can keep because that was still delicious. But that's the ticket money back. Yeah. Well, basically, basically that's what that's what you know. Uh, um, that, that that's what I think with the Cowboys. If I expect them this year to drop off from thirteen and three and and not have the same kind of season and barely be ten and six and be like, you know what, we got a lot of work to do. We got a tough schedule. I'm not really looking at this. Blah, blah, and then they do what they did last year. I'm going to be a happy camper. I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. And, and it, it's going to make my football season a lot better for me than me to expect them to be Super Bowl pedigree and be let down like we are no, every agree. single season. So that's what I'm Hey, I agree, that's, that's and that's sort of why the they only got number year. five on my list. All I did was yeah. bump them up one. There are, there's six on ESPN. So, and that's, that's keep in mind, that's Zeke, man. So let's, we're going to move on to Zeke now. Um, he's going to appeal his six game suspension, uh, suspension. That's official. Will it be reduced? If not, will the, what will the Cowboys' record be through the first six games? I know you had some kind of breaking news yesterday. Uh, why don't you let everybody know what's going on with that whole process about Roger and him jumping the gun, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, I mean, so what's the question? Our record is going to be – like you're asking what, no, what I, I think want about, you to talk about maybe? talk about the news that came out yesterday about Roger oh. and him making a mistake and how it might hurt and blah blah blah. Oh, I I see. Okay. Um. Well, uh, Ezekiel Elliott um, Ezekiel Elliott has has appealed his suspension, and Jerry Jones has said that they have new groundbreaking evidence. Uh, I believe he he termed it as uh, exonerating evidence, kind of like um, you know uh, something that he thinks is going to get him off completely, uh, which I, I doubt is going to happen. But the evidence I'm I'm being told had been brought up was that Tiffany Thompson, uh, his uh, Ezekiel Elliott's ex girlfriend, uh, was was quoted saying with her friend. Uh, that she was going to blackmail uh, Ezekiel Elliott. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through the article right here, and uh, it says that, sh- that there are text messages saying, yo, we, we can bl- uh, you can blackmail him on this. And she goes, yeah, I'm going to, bro, is, is what is in the text message. The league then announces, uh, and this is through Dallas 105.3, the fans. So, I mean, they're a credible station, but they are a little biased, arguably. Every local station is going to be. But it says that... Uh, Sources, okay. Sources tell uh, Cowboys insider Mike Fisher that there's there's movement afoot, and what that means is that the NFL boardrooms uh, really were not behind this decision. Everybody that was leading the charge on the Ezekiel Elliott domestic violence discussion. Now, I'm not talking about the you know the the pulling the girls top down and the bar fight and, and the speeding ticket. I'm talking about the just the DV here, okay. They did not have substantial evidence to, you know, to, to, to slap this suspension on him, okay? Roger Goodell sort of went rogue on this one, and he did it himself. And a lot of the players are saying, whoa, hey, you know, not the players, excuse me, the uh, people in the office who were leading this investigation are saying, whoa, you know, what, what are you doing? 
because this this is this is you know not well, we didn't we didn't give the okay on this. Roger Goodell just kind of went off on his own and and made this suspension in order to prove a point. And I just I don't I don't see how that's right. Uh, I don't see how you know Roger Goodell can can do that. Um, you know if 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 he was the one with the supreme Scott, overall power. you sound like power, a Pats fan right now. Well, well, I'm just saying, if he was the one with the supreme overall power, why'd you bring 30 people in on the investigation to begin with? You know, and so they said we don't have substantial evidence. He says, you know what? I want to make an example. Here's six games. So now they're throwing him under the bus, saying, whoa, 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 we never signed off on this. This is all him. For once, I think an appeal has some grounds here because what Tom Brady did was sacrifice the, and challenge the integrity of the game with an on-field issue. I understand him getting the four games because of that. And I understand and I agree with the league's policy of a mandatory six games for domestic violence. Okay, But if there's no substantial evidence and you just want to make an example, I, I mean, by dictionary definition, that's a witch hunt. Okay, And, and, and yes, Pats fans I feel your pain. I, I, I know now what you were thinking last year, but it's a different scenario. Tom Brady sacrificed the, the integrity of the game. Ezekiel Elliott may or may not have done this, and what they're leaning towards right now is he did not do this, blackmailed him into this. There's text message evidence saying that she blackmailed him into this uh, and, and that she was going to ruin his life, blah, 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 blah. Roger Goodell goes, you know what? I messed up on Ray Rice. We messed up on Greg Hardy. Okay, uh, I don't want to mess this up again. I'm going to take one of the biggest stars in the league and make an example out of him just like I did last year. And, and, and Roger Goodell has not been able to use that policy. Ever since they made that policy, they, they've been making mistakes left and right. Roger Goodell goes, you know what? I don't want to make that mistake. There's no room for error here. I'm going to slap this suspension on him even though everybody else and the NFL offices are saying, whoa, buddy, calm down here. So I, I just – I think that it's going to get appealed. I, I don't think Roger Goodell has the waivos to stand there and, and keep the six-game suspension on him with mounting evidence of his innocence in this case. Um, I do think he will get a couple of games, and that's for the player conduct policy, which he clearly is in violation of. But I don't think he'll get the six games uh, for the domestic abuse. I, I just there, there's no there's no actual evidence, uh, you know, pointing towards it. All right, all right, uh, folks. Keep in mind, you can call in three one nine five two seven six seven five nine. Again, our phone number is three one nine five two seven six seven five nine. You're listening to Ten Minute Takes with Chris and Dustin, and so. Mm-hmm. I guess the last part of that is what do you think the record will be if the six games is upheld? So through their, it, okay. through their first if six the games. Is upscaled. Well, their first six upheld. games are, uh, are, well, the first six games are Giants, Broncos, Cardinals, Rams, Packers, and 49ers. Okay, and then Zeke would be eligible to come back for the Washington game uh, on October 29th. Um, San Francisco and the Rams, they can beat with McFadden and Morris. Uh, Green Bay, I would love to have Zeke for. I think that's going to be a tough game without him. 
Arizona's going to be tough without him. Denver's going to be tough without him. Giants are almost impossible without him. Um, I mean, am I sitting here looking at two and four? No. I, I think McFadden and, and uh, Morris are more than comparable. Um, I mean, really, I'm just happy he's back for Kansas City and Atlanta, to be honest with you, uh, suspension or not. But um, I'm 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 going to say – I think we'll beat the Giants. I just don't think the Giants are as good as everyone thought they were last year. Uh, at Denver is going to be tough. One, two, one, one, one. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go uh, four and two, and that and that is simply just because um, just because I think that they'll lose two of those games uh, just because of the toughness of the schedule. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say four and two just because of the rest of the team is pretty good. But but also, who are the losses to? Getting um, back up. Well, remember though, we have a lot of we lead the league in team suspensions coming into the season here. You know, we have a couple of defensive guys and whatnot suspended as well. So it's out also. But uh, looking at this, I'm going to say. The loss is going to be at Arizona and lost to Green Bay. And I think we'll beat Denver, beat the Giants, uh, beat San Francisco, and beat the Rams. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we'll be 4-2, but I think the losses come to Green Bay and Arizona, uh, Denver. Denver. Or is that what you said, huh? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I said yeah, – uh, uh, We're not going to lose to Arizona. I think Green Bay and Carson Palmer. Yeah, I think Denver. value translate to the field so I've wanted to figure this out for a while now every year fantasy football takes everybody by storm and there's always these rankings that get put out and everyone's digging a player that just crushed it last year you know the year before last year it was Todd Gurley and then he flopped this past year and now it's David Johnson with the Cardinals so what I want to know is, is he truly the best player in the NFL? You know what I mean? On the offensive side of the ball, because fantasy-wise, he is. He's going to go number one in everyone's draft. He always he put up big points. We're talking yards. We're talking touchdowns. So if he's putting up those kind of numbers in fantasy, wouldn't it translate to the real-life field? What do you think? Not necessarily. Um, not necessarily because players go through slumps. We've seen it before. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the time – I mean, how many times have you picked a player that you're like, oh, my God, this guy tore it up last year, and, and, and you're disappointed? I, I mean, you just, you just never know. I mean, stars even, guys who are, are mega stars in the league don't even – you know, they don't even always have great games all the time. I think fantasy fantasy is not a season thing. Fantasy is a game by game thing, 
And I think the NFL, in terms of field value, looked at it as a season thing. What did Dez do for the season? What did Ezekiel Elliott do for the season? Okay. Now, Zeke's a bad example because every game he played last year was a good game. But, you know, you, you look at certain guys where, okay, a big receiver will have, you know, 13 receptions for 150 yards and two touchdowns one week and have two receptions for 30 yards and no touchdowns the next week. But overall, the team is good, and overall, they're still considered a good receiver. But in fantasy, you're pulling your hair out. So I, I, I don't necessarily think it translates. I think that, you know, that's why they play the game. The game has been around a lot longer, a hell of a lot longer than fantasy has been around. So I, I definitely, from a fantasy standpoint, um, you know, you, you're going to look at a receiver who, or, or any player, who you think is, is nasty and amazing so a guy like and Des, might not have a good game. A guy like Des Bryant, a guy like Des Bryant, he's yeah. viewed as a number one in the league. He's viewed as one of the best receivers in the league. And he doesn't always end up being very good for fantasy. So is that is that proving your point or is that a different case? Like he literally uh, I when think it comes down to I would it, he's one of the best the receivers. Uh, you know, yes. I if he can stay healthy, yes. Um but I I was looking more I was looking more at guys like like an Antonio Brown, for instance, who w- would tear it up, have like 150 yards, you know, 12 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns one game, and then go up and get the good thing the next week. And NFL players and NFL teams aren't necessarily looking at, you know, aren't necessarily looking at, uh, uh, well, what, what are they going to do with fantasy? They're looking at how can we win this football game. So if he's got uh, your buddy Brandon Carr on him one week, Okay, and then the next week he's going to face Richard Sherman. He's not going to have the same kind of game. And in fantasy, you expect him to have the same kind of game every week because that helps you with points. But you know, in in the real world, they're going to throw it to Marquez Bryant. They're going to throw it to you know a, a different receiver. They're going to exploit mismatches that fantasy's not going to do. There's other players on that team that's going to say, okay, well, hey, Richard Sherman. Uh, is it, going to lock down Antonio Brown or at least for a majority a majority of the game. Let's use our other receivers. Let, let's you know uh, change it up a little bit and go for their weak spot. And you're sitting over there as a fantasy on a and throw it to Antonio. You know, but they're not about that. They're about winning the game, not about you. You know, winning your pool. So yeah, I, I, I don't think it's right. necessarily because a player has a bad game. I just think it's because of a, a coaching staff decision to, you know, the best way to win the game. All right, um, all right. Next up, we got NBA awards versus NFL awards. Who does better? So this question actually came to me because there's a lot of people that think the NBA MVP award is a joke. Um, you got guys like Colin mm-hmm. Cowherd who think that Russell Wils- uh, Westbrook winning it was ridiculous because he averaged a triple-double. And the true value of that word and the meaning of that word is value, right? Like most valuable player. You take this player away from that team and they are a wreck. And I I actually use that against guys like Colin because he's telling me that you take the player away from a team and the team's a wreck. 
and he preaches LeBron, 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 LeBron. But at the same time, you take Russell Westbrook away from the Thunder, and they're a wreck. I don't care what you say. You can't tell me that if Russell Westbrook goes to the bench, the Thunder are effective. Are they as effective or as non-effective as the Cavs? I don't know. You'd have to give me the data on that. But realistically, Russell Westbrook, he is the life of the Thunder. He is that team. You take him off that team, and they are a joke. You take LeBron off the Cavs. Yes, I get it. They're a joke. But there are other other guys that are just as valuable as LeBron. So that's why I think there can be a debate about MVP in the NBA, where it makes sense that LeBron's not going to win it every year. Because, yeah, but you think about the NFL. Now, MVP every year, it doesn't always follow the same, you know, that same type of uh, formula that the NBA is using. I don't know if you can pull up the last, like, 10 MVP winners in the NFL for me. Um, in, in the NFL? Yeah, I can do it. Realistically, I don't feel like the the NFL has this, like, debate where, like, he is announced and people are like, oh, holy, that, that's not true. That can't be true. We don't agree with that at all. So I, I think about the way that they do their awards in the NFL, the which 10? I better yeah give me like the last 10 last five whatever i think realistically yeah i think the nfl does it better because they do an mvp and then they do offensive player of the year defensive player of the year offensive rookie defensive rookie i would even get rid of mvp i think having an offensive player of the year is mvp you're the offensive most valuable player like that's what you are. That is that that is that title. You're offensive player of the year. You're the freaking offensive MVP, defensive player of the year. You're the defensive player uh, MVP. I think there should be four awards. I guess most improved could be an award too. Like I liked how they do that in the NBA. But I think there should be an offensive and defensive player of the year, rookie of the year. MVP is a joke, man, because everybody's gonna bitch and moan about it. If you do offensive and defensive and you go regular player and rookie of the year, it, it's more awards to go around, and then there's a little bit there's, – there's less of that, oh, MVP went to a guy who only shoots and, you know, doesn't play defense. Whereas in football, you give it to a whole defensive side of the field, and then you give it to a whole offensive side of the field. So if you're going to end up giving it to a quarterback because it's a quarterback league, that's fine, but the defensive player still has a shot. I like that. I like that. Ezekiel Elliott won. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Dak Prescott got rookie of the year for offense, and then defense, it was somebody else. Don't just give it to Dak and then discredit that defensive player. He gets he gets a piece of the pie, too. So I like the NFL. So give me those. You got those names yet? Yeah, well, I've had them, yeah. I just wanted to throw a little jab out there. Uh, your buddy, uh, buddy Tom Brady has won a uh, and Peyton Manning is one of five. Just want to throw that out there. But anyway, um, going back exactly ten years, exactly ten. So Brady's Tom Brady's Brady won, won it how many times? Two. Two and Manning's won it five. Five. Yep. Um, now, going back, going back uh, exactly ten years. 
Tom Brady in 2007, Peyton Manning in 2008, Peyton Manning in 2009, Tom Brady in 2010, okay? Then Aaron Rodgers, Adrian Peterson, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton, and Matt Ryan. There's only one running back on that list. There's there's only one running back on that list, and and it was Adrian Peterson in 2012. And that was his 1,000-plus-yard year or whatever it was. So no, I thought it was like two thousand or something, right? Or whatever it was. Yeah, it was like the almost almost got the record. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think that the NBA awards are better than NFL? Do you think they're the same? Do you think NFL's better? Like, do you, what? What do you think about the awards? And do you think anything needs to change? Well, in my opinion, I think uh, that the awards for the NBA uh, should be given out after the season, not in the middle of the playoffs, first of all. Um, But, you know, again, they've been doing that for years, and I mean, who am I to to change that? Um, But, yeah, I like like both systems. Uh, About your LeBron point, yeah, I mean, you put LeBron on any other team. I mean, you put LeBron on Timber uh, on the Timberwolves; they're a contender. Okay, you put Bron on, you know, uh, yeah, shoot any team. You you can mention, give me a terrible NBA team. You put LeBron on, and they're a contender. Um, you know, I, I look at it this way: if LeBron has a bad game, the Cavaliers can still win. If Aaron Rodgers has a bad game. Green Bay is probably not going to win. So, is there more value on the are you on the NFL MVP? Uh, perhaps, you know, perhaps. Um, it, it's a different sport. I think it's it's more difficult to be an NFL MVP just because of the way that the game is played uh, and you know and the gravity of it. But uh, I, I like both systems. The only thing I would change would be. You know, obviously giving out the MVP, you know, at the end of the season. Because what happens if a guy gets the MVP in the middle of the playoffs and then completely chokes and has a terrible finals or a terrible playoffs? Is he really the MVP when he doesn't get it done in the clutch? So, you know, that, that's, that's my whole thing. Um, wait till the season's over to give the award out. I mean, basketball's over for six months. I mean, you have I agree with time. the wait until the season's over thing, but the, war, the award's not called the most clutch player. So I don't even agree with your does he get it done in clutch moments thing. Because, like I said, it's not called most clutch player, and nobody can even define clutch. Clutch is an X factor yeah. thing. Okay, but, but are you valuable to your team? Are you, are you, are you valuable to your team? Yeah, but if, look at a guy. You know, it's one if you don't quarter. make the playoffs. Well, one if you don't make it, the playoffs, okay. and two if you make the playoffs and, like and, this, and you're Chris. awful. Think Are about you it like this: you're a Cowboys, you're a Cowboys fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. I love Tony yeah, Romo. The biggest, the biggest thing on Tony Romo for years was he can't get it done in clutch moments. You take him away from the Cowboys, they win one or two games. That's value. So he he couldn't get it done in clutch moments, but yet he was everything to the Dallas Cowboys. That is, you are the most valuable player. So it's completely different. You cannot get it done in clutch moments because your team puts you in an awful place that requires a fourth quarter drive under high pressure, under terrible situations. And 
Now you are not – you literally are the glue that holds the franchise together. So that's my point. You could be non-clutch or you could have bad moments towards the end of the game, and it doesn't matter. You still got your team to that within a, within a, a, you know, a jab of winning the game, which if you weren't there, there would be no chance. You know what I mean? So clutch really has no place in the MVP debate. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I hear you, but, you know, you're not valuable to your team if, you know, I, I mean, how valuable are you if you look at a Russell Westbrook, they don't make the playoffs this year. How valuable are you to your team if you're not leading them to the playoffs? Uh, you know, you have a bad playoff, let's say. How valuable are you to your team? That's why I think it should be done after the season because, you know, if a guy's an MVP – for 82 regular season games, and then completely implodes, and his team well, it is knocked out the first round of the playoffs. How valuable award. are you? Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, but it's not called playoff he, MVP. Well, okay, well then fine, take the playoffs out of it. If you don't lead your team to the playoffs, how valuable are you? You know, I, I, I mean, well, a guy Westbrook, like Russell Westbrook, they made the playoffs, right? Uh, I don't, I don't remember. I maybe, but yeah, if they, they did. did. They were an eight seed. They did. They did. Okay. Well, e- either way, that they were going to be out in the first round anyway. But it's just I, I, like, how valuable are you if if well, take you're Steph good Curry off the and your team's not good? Take Steph Curry off the Warriors. They're still going to win fifty games. Uh easily. I think I think they still win the championship without Curry. So how did he win back to back MVP? How did he win unanimous in first time ever in history? If if he's literally that expendable, how the hell is that value? Um, well, because when he's on the court, look what he does for a team. I I mean, you put no, you put no, Steph that Curry. makes no sense. He just said take them away, and they're still winning the championship. It makes no sense. If, well, he, yeah, if you take the player away, well, he happens to be on a video the game. There's no value. Well, well, he he happens to be on a video game type of roster. You know, he happens to be on, on arguably the best roster in the league, top to bottom. He's not on a team where he's the only guy. Okay, he's not on a team where, you know, what, like a Russell Westbrook, where you said you take him off the team, then, then they're a joke. Same thing with, same thing with uh, the Cavaliers for the most part, other than maybe Kyrie and occasionally Kevin Love when he decides to show up. All right, I'll Steph give Curry, you that. Well, you, 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 you take Steph Curry off the Warriors, they're still winning the championship. But you put Steph Curry on the Pelicans. I think they win 50 okay, games. Okay, they're, they're good. But but you but you take Steph Curry off that team, they're going to be okay. You put Steph Curry on the Suns, you put him on the Mavericks, you put him on the Jazz. All of a sudden, boom, the they're a contender. <laughs> I mean, that's whoever. Yeah, all of a sudden they're a contender. So you, you know, and it goes the other way. You look at a guy like Isaiah Thomas. I'm a Celtics fan. Take Isaiah Thomas off the Celtics, they're fine. You put Isaiah Thomas on the Knicks. All of a sudden, they got that much better. So, I, I mean, the MVP should be the most valuable to the team, not to you. That's why I didn't necessarily agree with Russell Westbrook getting it. Yeah, he averaged a triple-double. What did the, war, what did the Thunder do? You know? So, yeah, you know, if you're saying this is the, the best individual player in the league award, all day long, Steph Curry and, uh, and Russell Westbrook. But, it, but most valuable to your team, I think they need to look at the analysis a little more. 
All right. I agree with you. Let's move on to our final topic, which I know that you probably want to vent on a little bit. Oh, um, Jesus. It, I'm going to piss a lot of people it off. Involves, it involves sitting for the anthem. Uh, what's the point? And we got eight minutes left. Uh, I'll say you can have about seven because we want to say goodbye to everybody after this. But uh, uh, take it away. You know the players that are sitting. You know why they're doing it. And, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, I mean, if I upset anybody or offend anybody in this soft culture that we live in, I, I apologize. But um, it, it's it's – well, I just saw another thing last night. Malcolm Jenkins throwing the fist up during the anthem. Um and you know this this is not going away, and I would much rather, much rather, have him throw a fist up, still stand in line with his teammates, but throw a fist up and and protest that way instead of sitting back on the bench behind your whole team during the anthem. I listen, okay. I understand you're standing up for your rights and and you want to make a point, and you're a you're a big you know, uh, a big factor uh, in in people seeing this happening. I mean, you're a megastar. You're all over the internet. People can see you. You're very visible as a professional athlete. I understand if you want to bring light to this movement and light to this topic and purpose, that's the way to do it. But I I, I don't I don't necessarily agree with it. And the reason I don't agree with it is because listen, does it affect you no does does it affect your team yes okay because i'm not saying that it's wrong for them to protest they have every right to protest as american citizens that that's part of our constitution as long as it's a nonviolent protest we have the right to do it but in this media happy digital world we live in you're becoming a distraction to your team your coaches aren't answering questions about, hey, so, you know, uh, what what did you guys say in the huddle when you drew up that game plan for the game-winning slant pass that, you know, ended up bringing you to playoffs? No, they're asking you about, well, what did Malcolm Jenkins do today? Or what did Michael Bennett do today? Or, or, or why, uh, what do you think about the protest? Or what do you think about that? It becomes everything to the media. And your team isn't looked at as a team. Your team is looked at as the team with the protest guy. And that is sort of what the 49ers have been dealing with. The 49ers have been, you know, the 49ers have been shrouded in this Colin Kaepernick controversy for the last couple of years. And and they're trying to rebuild. They're trying to get better on the field and they're trying to to win games. Anyone wants to talk about is, well, why'd you cut Kaepernick? All he did was stand up for his rights. You know, and and you can't – thing is you can't argue with these people because, you know, I, I, it's just – I'm trying to be as, as, as sort of gentle with this as possible. But it's like, dude, you know, you play the game of football. That is, your, that is your employer, and this is your country. If you don't like something, you have every right to protest it, but don't don't do it. On such a national scale, if you're the only one doing it, if the entire team took a stance, fine. But if you do it, and it's just you look like you look like a jerk. I mean, the NFL has the NFL has 
this uh, agreement with the military. They have the military day, and they had the whole thing and whatever. You're really going to sit there in a stadium with veterans who fought to give you the right to do that? And sort of in a way, I mean, I understand a lot of people aren't going to agree with it with, with this point, but in a way, spit in their face like that, it's just one of those things where, dude, two minutes is not going to kill you. And you want to protest the, you know, the, the national anthem because of civil rights and, and unjustness and all this. The national anthem was written back in the time and back in a different time. The, the, the Declaration of Independence was written by slave owners. Okay, the Bill of Rights was written by slave owners. Okay, now I understand that you know all men are created equal, and in their eyes they weren't. But this country is the best country, hands down, in the world. There's no question about that. You wouldn't have the career that you have in any other country on the planet. Now, arguably because they don't play football anywhere else on the planet other than Canada, and I don't even know what kind of game. That's not even really a game in my opinion, but it, it's just – dude, sit there, do your job. It's part of the job requirements. Do your job and play the game, and you know, I, I think what, what is the most disgusting about it isn't the fact that these players are doing it actually for the rights. Because these players aren't donating money to charities to help out kids in the projects. These players aren't donating money to you know, good causes to help out with their social concerns. They're doing it to get the media attention. That's just my opinion. Michael Bennett isn't doing it because Michael Bennett cares about social injustices or else he would be giving half his paycheck to help social injustices. He would be going to you know, meetings, and, and he would be an advocate off the field for social injustices. He's doing it because everyone's going to be talking about Michael Bennett. I am very, very certain Marshawn Lynch, even unretired, just so he could sit to the anthem this year. Okay, I mean, there, this is becoming a trend now. Like Nike sneakers, it's becoming a trend, and it's becoming the cool thing to do. And if you don't do it, well, then you're a bad person. That that that's sort of where we're going. Right now, and, and that's the disgusting thing about it. And for these owners to be attacked by saying, "Hey, if you don't stand for the anthem, you're off the team." Oh, well, they must be bigots and racists and and terrible people. No, it's your job. If I walk into my job and I don't do a required of my a requirement of my job, whether I agree with said requirement or not, and they fire me, I have no ground to stand on. This is part of your job. This is this is part of your Sunday afternoon, and, and if your owner who signs your paycheck and gives you the life that you currently lead, the lifestyle that you have, the cars and the houses and the pools and, and whatever it may be, if that owner says, hey, man, stand for, stand for two minutes and honor, honor your, your country and honor your, your job opportunity and honor this great sport that we play, that we have the right to freedom to play, and you don't do it, he has every right to say, you know what, I don't want you on my team anymore. So for Michael Bennett and Marshawn Lynch to do this, yeah, I get it, and it's cute. But there are other ways to go about it. Be active in the community. Be active off the field. Donate to charities. Donate to good causes. Don't distract your team and your teammates and your coaching staff. I agree. Staff, you know, and, and don't, don't 
become a burden on your team because you want to make a point on a life that you don't even live anymore. Now, Michael Bennett, I don't know his background. I don't. But Colin Kaepernick grew up with two white parents with a pool in his backyard and an Xbox and and everything he ever wanted and, and a good life. This isn't Colin Kaepernick's life. So Michael Bennett, he might have come from a rough background. Michael Bennett may have a leg to stand on here. He might. But, you know, guys like Colin Kaepernick do not. And, and that's – that's. I mean I could go on for a long, long, long time about this, but I mean that's the meat and potatoes of it right there, I guess, is, is, is don't make it a trend and don't be a distraction uh, for, for something that, that is about you. All right, folks. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to 10 Minute Takes. Will you call my name? I say a Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.